Thank you for joining us on the Rose Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit rosechurch.org or follow us on social media at Rose Church PDX. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, bro. Hey, so the, the thesis of what I want to talk to you about today is there is a super abundantly more, the verse you just read, anything beyond you could ask or imagine. Now just dream for a bit. I, when I read that verse, I'm like, God, I can dream some big things. I can ask for some big things. How, how is that even possible that you can do immeasurably more than all I could ask or think? Here's the caveat. Here's the operative word. According to the working of the Holy Spirit within you. So here's, here's the key. God wants to work within you so he can work something out of you. He wants to expand his image within your life. More of Jesus, more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit to become like him as our highest aspiration and goal in life. And as we grow on the inside, our future changes on the outside. And I've lived this dream, I'm telling you. Uh, as I mentioned, man, when I started out in brokenness, not knowing what to do, I just started following God and I discovered something that I want to share with you. And here's my thesis. It comes in a question form. How much faith does it take for you to live in the immeasurably more of God? What does your behavior, your lifestyle, your consistency have to look like for him to do way more than you could ask or imagine? And here's the answer. Just enough faith to take the next move. That's it. That's it. The bar's not high. But it will require all of your heart, all of your soul, and a life surrender to Jesus. But if you will take just the next move, you will be able to go some places in God that you can't go without him. Amen? Amen. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, do we have any people in the room you like to camp? And I'm talking tents in the woods with the guns and the fishing poles. That's a fairly small number for Oregon. I thought we'd do better. I'm talking campers, man. So my, 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 my brother-in-law... He lives in Roseburg and he does whitewater rafting trips and he's a big camper guy. And so he goes, Dave, I want to take you up the North Umqua. We're going to go camping. Now, has anybody heard of glamping? Okay, I'm all up for that. There's like a motorhome and a chef and you roll out and go, oh, is breakfast ready? Here's your fishing pole, sir, your fishing pole. You know, so that's, that's, my, that's my flow right there. So, man, we go camping, and, man, we work hard, and we get the firewood, and we get the tent packed up, and we hike up in the mountains. Like, we're working for hours. And then we're going to go down and catch our dinner. I think we caught one little pitiful seven-inch trout. You know, nine people are going to share it, you know. And, but there's that moment <laughs> where you're sitting around the campfire, you know, and you got your s'mores, and there's the stars, and you're like, ah, oh, I'm camping, right? And then you go lay down in your tent. True story. All the air leaks out of your mattress at 4 a.m., and the ants find your s'mores, your leftovers in the tent. They join you. Get up. There's dirt in your eggs. And I'm thinking, get me out of here. But for all the campers, I want to give you a tip before we move on. I got two places. Because here's how I like to camp. Like the Grand Wailea Hyatt on Maui. Great campsite. <laughs> the Innis Spanish Bay Pebble Beach. Great campsite. But here's what I want to say about camping. Camping and tents are a temporary location on the way to a permanent destination. Tents are never meant to be a permanent dwelling place. And God moves you and he moves his people in tents, but he doesn't want us to get stuck there, okay? So the Old Testament starts out really with uh, God's people in an extended camping trip. 
Most of you know the narrative. God calls him out of Egypt, which is a type of our bondage and our past. And he says, I want you to go to your inheritance, to this promised land, the full potential for your life. And on the way, you're going to camp out. But the rules are different on this camping trip. God says, I'm going to camp right in the middle of you. And this is, I think, a great artist rendering of the uh, Israelites in the wilderness, the congregation in the wilderness. By day, there was a cloud, and by night, there was a fire that all the enemies could see for miles around. It put fear in the hearts of God's, of God's enemies. But he said this, the Shekinah, which is a historic explanation of the tangible, visible presence of Yahweh himself, would rest upon the tent of meeting. And God told Moses, he said, now, when I call for you, I want you to go into this tent of meeting where there'll be the Ark of the Covenant, and I will speak to you face to face. What a sight, what a scene. And here was the only rule for God's people. God said, I'm going to take you. And by the way, there's two million of them. 600,000 registered men, soldiers, plus women and children. Two million people moving across the wilderness. And here was the one rule for the camp. It was this. God said, when I move, you move. When the cloud moves, you move with the cloud. And that was the only command that he gave. Jesus, is that you? People get ready. There's a train coming. You don't need no ticket. You just get on board. Okay. It was appropriate, whatever. Here's what it says in Numbers 9.22. Check this out. It says, whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and they moved on. When God moved, they moved. Now, here's the problem with my life, with your life, with churches. We get stuck. I mean, God's doing something great here, but you got to be careful got to keep your eyes on him and keep moving because you can get stuck in yesterday's blessing, yesterday's miracle, yesterday's relationship. You know, when I counsel people, it's like they never got past the first marriage. They, they never got past the betrayal. They, they never got past the abuse. They never got past the addiction. They never got past the bankruptcy. And you can look back and they got stuck back in 1993 or 2004, and they camped out where God never intended them to camp. It was a temporary location on the way to a permanent destination. But, and so here's some ways, and if you're stuck today, let me just tell you, there's a gracious Heavenly Father that wants to get you unstuck. I, I came all the way up here from Napa Valley to say, hey, Jesus wants you unstuck. He has a hope and a future that's bigger than you can imagine, immeasurably more than all you could ask or think. Three ways to do that I'll share with you today. Number one, move with the cloud and the community. Move with the cloud and the community. Now, you know, I'm a student of the church. I've been watching it for a while, and I've watched something in the last decade or so, and it's this. There is a rising animosity toward organized church. So, by the way, you guys are an anomaly of what's happening here in Portland and the growth of, of Rose Church. It really is a move of the Holy Spirit. But I run into people that say this, well, you know, Dave, I'm deeply spiritual, but I don't, I don't do church. I don't like church. People say, well, I, I, I love Jesus, but I don't like Christians. I had a bad experience. I've actually had people tell me, I love God, I read the Bible, but I can't stand church. Listen, you can't love the Lord and despise his bride. You can't, you can't say, Jesus, I know, but I, I want nothing to do with his body. It makes no sense whatsoever. You know, there's a, a Greek word. 
For church, it's over 100 times in your New Testament. Ecclesia. And the ecclesia means this. We're called out and we're called together. So when God called you out of darkness, and some of you, you're in that process today. You feel the Holy Spirit drawing you. There's something bigger for you. God is pulling you. No man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. That's what Jesus said. And so in our rebellion or in our dead religion or building our own empires, God in his mercy comes to us and he draws us with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And then one day we're convinced that's what conviction is. We need a savior, but it's nothing in us. It's all by grace. But when he calls you out of darkness, right, into his marvelous light, 1 Peter chapter 2, when he sets your feet upon a rock and lifts you out of a ditch, Psalm 40, he doesn't leave you in isolation. He calls you into community. He calls us together. He calls us to be the body, the bride, the army. And there's safety in the body. That's why Paul, when he was exhorting the church in Hebrews, he said, hey, 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 don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the great day of the Lord approaching. So we have this command, hey, don't break up and fragment and get isolated. If you've been hurt in church, get healed and join a healthy church like this one and be a part of the community that God is building. Look at this right here in Deuteronomy 25, 17. Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt? When you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey and attacked, what's it say? All who were lagging behind. So very practically, let me just speak to you as a father in the Lord. I've watched this over the years as people who get isolated in their Christian journey, they're an easy prey for the target. Easy target for the prey is what I'm going to say. And, and if you're isolated, something begins to happen. Your doctrine gets weird. Your th- theology gets weird. And, and you'll be taken out. So get planted in the house of the Lord. It says in Psalms that those who are planted in the house of God, they're going to flourish. They're going to bear fruit even in old age. Hallelujah. I'll take that one. So if you don't have a local church, this is a great one. But it's really about where is God planting you? Get established and move with the cloud. The second thing is keep moving toward your full capacity. Keep moving toward your full capacity. I know something about you. There's more in you than you've tapped into. There's more talent than you're using. There's more gifting than you're operating in. There's more finances for your business. Why? Because it's immeasurably, immeasurably more. It's more than I can ask or imagine. So all of us are on a journey. I've been on it for 37 years following Jesus, 22 years planning a church, seeing amazing things now and getting to plant other campuses and states, and it's fun. But there's still so much more. I, I don't want to die. I don't want to finish this race and, you know, have it said of him, well, he used about a third of his capacity. You know, he used about 20% of his talent. Huh? This is a stewardship. God says, I entrust you. I entrust you with time, talent, and treasure. I entrust you with that marriage. I entrust you with that dream I put in your heart. And I want you to invest it in things of eternity so that when you stand before God, you will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. But you got to realize something that this ain't it. Now, I mentioned when I got saved, I was a musician. I didn't know what to do, fell in love with Jesus, put a little band together, went out on the road, started traveling. This was back in the day when Christian, contemporary Christian music was on the rise. And uh, our tour manager, God love him, he scheduled us in Arizona in the summer and Idaho in the winter. <laughs> Idaho and Washington in the winter. We fired him, as we should. So does anybody ever remember, the, they're old now, but the VH, uh, VH1 
documentaries of bands. Anybody watch those? Well, here's the thing. The band always breaks up every time. The band breaks up. So we're in Arizona in the summer in Phoenix. It's 187 degrees in the shade. Lizards are dying out in the sun. <laughs> and I'm there doing the will of God. And the band breaks up. The manager, the band director, the keyboard player, they all come and go, Dave, we've had it. We're done. We've been out there about two years. I'm a brand new believer. And I thought that was over. And my wife and I, my beautiful wife, we're living in a 26-foot travel ease travel trailer. Never forget it. Thing was a piece of junk. We're surviving in the travel ease. And I thought, well, this is how it ends. I leveraged. I had a house in Oregon. I had a great job. Uh, I came to Jesus. I gave everything up. I sold my stuff. I bought the sound system. I said, Lord, I'm all yours. I'm out here following you. And now I'm dying in Phoenix in a 26-foot travel ease trailer. I thought my epitaph would read, here lays Dave in the trailer. Just bury me in the trailer. (laughs) Now, that's happened to many of you. You had that moment where you thought, this is it. This is what my life is. And maybe someone spoke over you. Maybe it was a parent or a coach or an ex said, you'll never amount to anything. That's it. Your business will never go past that. You don't have the gifting for that. All those are lies, 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 lies of the enemy. And if in those seasons, you'll lean, listen, if you'll lean in and get desperate and say, Jesus, what's your thoughts about me? Oh, how precious are your thoughts toward me, oh God. If I could count them, they are more than the sands of the seashore. And if we just knew what he was thinking about us. So I'm dying in Phoenix. Back to the trailer. And I start reading through Isaiah. Now, I'm a new believer. I don't know what Isaiah says, like a thick book, a lot of weird stuff at the front end. And um, I'm thumbing through Isaiah. And I hit this verse that says, behold, I will do a new thing. Forget the former things. Forget the things of the past. You got two words for word in the Bible. You got logos, the written, and rhema, the God breathed, the now word. It was a rhema, God speaking to me. And then the next verse said, I will bring forth streams in the desert and a river in the wilderness. I thought, I'm in the wilderness. I'm in the desert. I need a new thing. Right? And right in the middle of that, God said, no, you have not tapped into your capacity. You know, when the apostle Paul was traveling and preaching, 2 Corinthians 10, 13, he said this. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us. If you're a highlighter, if you're a note taker, limits, sphere, and measure are all one Greek word. And here it is. I want you to learn one Greek word today. Metron. It's a measured boundary, a potential inheritance, a capacity that God sets. So Paul's saying, listen, I'm living inside the boundaries that God sets, but it's not a limiting word. Remember, it's above and beyond all we could ask or imagine. And as the Holy Spirit expands in my life, there is a limitless horizon. There's this frontier of the promised land for your life. And so do not stop short of God's full capacity for your life. you got to live in your metron. And that sounds like a, a Prius or a small car or a transformer. Metron. But it's your capacity in God. Amen? So don't, don't let life pin you down, man. If you feel pinned down today, just cry out and say, God, I'm ready to move with you. I'm ready to move with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the last one before we pray is you got to refuse to stay behind. When God moves and refusing to stay behind, it's a determination that's attached with a declaration. 
determination that's attached with a declaration. So finally, they get to the Jordan. They cross over the Jordan. God tells Joshua, take my people in. It's time. But all those who complained in the wilderness are going to die there. The only ones who get to go in is the Levites, the worshipers, the band. Oh, cool. They're in the band. Those 20 years and younger, so most of your church. Okay. That's it. And then the old guy stands up. Anybody ever heard of Caleb? Caleb was like, "Uh excuse me, uh, Pastor Joshua. Yeah, I'm 80 years old, but I'm as strong now as I was 40 years ago when we took off on this camping trip. I want my mountain. I believe that I am able to take it because God has given me my inheritance. Here's what he does. He quotes the very word of God. So somewhere in your life, if you're stuck, the word of God will bring a determination that this ain't it. And I just feel like I need to speak this over somebody today. For you, this ain't it. Where you're at in your life, this ain't it. Your relationship, this ain't it. There is more that God is going to do. But you got you to gotta connect a declaration. You know, a few years ago, I was diagnosed. I was on the front end of liver failure from drug abuse back in the day. And I had inflammation and went to the doc. And they said, man, if something miraculous doesn't happen you will need a liver transplant i won't take you the whole story but a few years man i was sick and on the edge of death 2012 and 13 scary time for our church for me for our family and i remember one day the holy spirit whispered that to me it doesn't end here this ain't it you know what i did i began to align my confession with the revelation of who god is you can do that over your business you can do that over your marriage You dig into the word, you find out what God says, then you stand on that word and say, I believe, and therefore I have spoken. But you got to be determined. One last thing, and we'll pray. Let's go back to one more glimpse of the camping trip. Check this out. Now, every day, a cloud, every night, a fire. Two million people camping where God orchestrated them to be designated camping spots. And how awesome to step outside your tent. Yahweh. But year after year, it gets kind of common. You see the fire, you see the cloud, you see the fire. Pack up the tents, eat the manna, eat the quail, see the fire, see the cloud, eat the manna, eat the quail, pack up the tents. Until one night, you know, Levi over here in section B, row three, tent 14. He goes, hey, we we need some falafels. Go borrow some from Jedediah. So Levi pops out of his tent, goes for falafels at 1 a.m., walks down, and he doesn't even recognize the fire. It becomes so common. Listen, do not let the sacred become common through familiarity. Don't let what God's doing in this church become, this is not normal. What God has for you in the future is not normal. It is supernatural. And when we behold what God is doing, we really want to be a part of it. I know your pastors are not trying to recruit memberships here to build an organization. It's not, not about getting more people on a roster and more givers on the accounting system. This is about you finding your place in the eternal, vibrant, living body of Christ and living a life of fulfillment and passion and purpose. But don't get so used to what God is doing that it becomes norm because this ain't normal. It's big, it's eternal. If we could see what God is doing... I I was praying for your church and believe the Lord would have me to tell you that what God does here, hold on loosely, be a good steward, but be flexible with the way God's going to move and grow your church. And the Lord would tell you to look up and look out. 
Always be looking up for the greatness of God and looking out for people that are not here yet. God is going to draw, I believe, thousands of people, not to have a mega church, because he loves people that are far from him, and he will use Rose Church to reach them. And if we could see it, listen. Historians say that if you were to climb Mount Sinai or go up at an elevation and see the campsite of the children in the wilderness, it would look like this right here. Give this a look. Hey, Reuben, we're going to need you to camp over there to the west. And Judah, you're going to be down here. And Dan, everybody has their place. But as you can see, a couple thousand years before Jesus would walk to a cross, he said, I want to show you a picture of what you're doing. That one day, there will be the perfect Lamb of God who will go to Mount Calvary and he'll stretch out his hand so that every tribe, every nation can come to know the Father. I'm just saying God is doing something bigger than what we can see with our eyes. If we'll just say, God, I want to be a part of it. I want to move with God. Amen? Would you say that with me? Move with God. If you're by a friend, elbow him and say, move with God. Come on, stand to your feet. Let me pray over you. Father, I declare over this house today. We, we want to move with you. God, anybody in this room that's stuck in their life, I pray today would be a game changer. I pray today there would be a fire, a determination connected with a declaration that we are moving with you today. I need to pray over everybody today that feels like you have a gift in your life that's dormant. Just if you're up for this, uh, if you're cool, then just lift a hand, just a posture of receptivity. Father, I pray for every gifting in this room. For every raised hand, would you stir up the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, the entrepreneurs, the financiers, the creatives, the artists. God, raise up an army. Release the gifts in Rose Church that we can see your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' great name, amen? Come on, let's lift up our voice and worship together. for listening to the Rose Church Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. For more information and resources, please visit rosechurch.org or follow us on social media at Rose Church PDX.